Good morning. Welcome to the live stream services of the Boonville Church of Christ. Our theme for this year is God's vision, our decision. That's based on Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for well your welfare and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, we know that many uh, viewers this morning are not part of the Boonville Church of Christ, and we welcome you to this service. Brother Ken Forrest will be bringing us a message this morning, the good news of the risen Christ. And we're privileged also to have visiting with us Jonathan Timms from Montgomery, Alabama, and he will be leading our singing. Brother Jeremy Jones is our media coordinator this morning. I do have three announcements now, and then I'll have some additional announcements at the end. We need to be uh, uh, remembering Martha Eaton. Uh, she fell and is recovering after surgery at the Magnolia Hospital in Corinth. Uh, also, we're sad to announce the death of one of our members, Brother Billy Mormon, and his graveside service will be this afternoon at 4 o'clock at the Boonville Cemetery. Uh, Brother Billy was a victim of COVID-19. I would like to share with you a card of thanks from Pat Green. She said, Dear church family, our, your prayers for me have been felt. They have given me peace and comfort. I cherish you. Thank you also for the generous gift. It's already been put to good use. Please keep saying those never in, or those sweet prayers for me and my family in Christian love, Pat Green. Would you bow with me as we begin our worship today? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can come today and, and worship you. We're so thankful for the many that are joining us over social media. And we pray that we may unite together as your family and offer up praise to you. We pray that our worship today would be pleasing in your sight. We ask your blessings to be upon this service and upon the Boonville Church of Christ. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, it's great to be with you this morning, and greetings from Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, we'll begin our singing with the song on Zion's Glorious Summit. Usually I would ask people to stand, but since you're at home, you do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. On Zion's glorious summit stood a numerous host redeemed by blood. They hemmed their king in strains divine. I heard the song and strove to join. I heard the song and strove to join. 
Here all who suffered sword or flame for truth or Jesus' lovely name shout victory now and hail the Lamb and bow before the great I Am and bow before the great I Am while everlasting ages roll eternal love shall feast their soul and scenes of bliss forever new rise in succession to their view rise in succession to their view holy should sing O Almighty King Holy 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 Lord God of hosts on high adored Holy sing together, Father, hear the prayer we offer. Father, hear the prayer we offer, nor for ease that prayer shall be. But for strength that we may ever live our lives courageously. Not forever by still waters would we idly quiet stay. But would smite the living fountains from the rocks along our way. Be our strength in hours of weakness, in our wanderings be our guide. Thy work our cease. 
ceaseless prayer. Bow with me, please. Our loving Heavenly Father, in whom we live and move and have our very being, we honor Thee. We know that Thou art all-powerful. We're so thankful for Your mercy and for Your forgiveness. And Father, as we worship Thee today, we uh, acknowledge all the blessings that You've given to us, the greatest of which has been the sacrifice of Your Son. We're so thankful for him. We're thankful for the church. We pray, Father, that you would help us to study and understand and obey your word. We're so thankful for the plan for our future that you've put in place. Father, there are so many in our congregation that are suffering, suffering from this virus. We pray that you would be with them. We pray once again for Martha Eaton. We pray for Marilyn Martin, for Jonathan Hutchins, for Delma Sanchez, for Donald Green, for Luella Green, for Jessica Welts, for Dale and Mary Woodruff, for Charlene Langley, and for others, Father, that are suffering. And we pray that you would use us as as your instruments to help care for those that we can. We especially pray that you would be with the Billy Mormon family today. Use us as instruments of comfort as they uh, celebrate his life. Father, we pray for our country. We know, Father, that we need to be focused on your word, dependent on your word, and influenced by your word. And we pray that as a country, we would return to focus on what you would have us to be. We're so uh, distraught over the chaos that is in our country. And we pray that you would use us as your instruments to help bring peace and focus on Jesus Christ. We ask your special blessings today to be with Brother Ken as he brings us the words of life. We love you, Father. We ask that you be with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before Brother Ken uh, brings us our message this morning, we're going to do what's called the Resurrection Medley. Uh, It's going to consist of three songs, Low in the Grave, Christ the Lord is Risen, and He Lives, uh, to go in with the good news of the risen Christ. They will be three songs uh, back to back. Mm -hmm. Low in the grave He lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord, vainly they watch. 
touch his bed, Jesus, my Savior. Vainly they seal the dead, Jesus, my Lord. Death cannot keep his prey, Jesus, my Savior. He tore the bars away, Jesus, my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with the mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Christ the Lord is risen today, Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high, Alleluia. Sing ye new hymns, thou earth reply,
Thank you so much to Jonathan for coming, being our special guest song leader. It's great to have him here. And great to have you here, wherever you're located right now. We're, we're just thankful that you've taken the time to be a part of our worship this morning. It means everything to us. And we're displaced right now, not able to assemble, but hopefully in the coming weeks, we'll be able to once again join together and be physically together. But that does not limit us from our spiritual obligations doesn't limit us from being able to join our hearts, our minds, our spirits together as one, we're joining together through the broadcast. And I appreciate Jeremy and the efforts that he puts forth to make it possible for all of us through this medium be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. We have had a sad week. We've had Brother Billy's death, along with several that, again, are sick We're thankful some have recovered, but still others are suffering with the plight of this virus. So if you're at home and you're sequestered and you're missing us, I'll tell you what, we're missing you too. And we look forward to the day that you're feeling better and we're able once again to be a body in one location worshiping God together. We'll just rejoice, won't we, when that day comes. Today we're going to talk about the thing that makes us who we are, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But in particular, I want us to understand the reality of it, just the nuts and bolts of that resurrection. I want us to understand the reasoning behind it, why it's so important. And then for us this morning, I guess maybe the most important aspect, and that is what should be my reaction to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Before we start that, let's pray together that God, well, that he'll help me to communicate the things that I've planned, but also to help all of us as viewers that we can take what we find in the scriptures and make the right application. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the blessing of this day, the first day of the week, and the opportunity that we have to be able to assemble at least in spirit, as your body, and to participate in these acts of worship. I pray, Father, that now as we embark upon a study and meditation upon your word, that we will still have that worshipful mindset, that not only will we go through the, I guess, the academic process of learning, but that much more than that, what we learn will become a part of us. It will touch us. And Father, that the words that we examine in the scriptures, that they will find their place in our hearts and motivate us to take actions that are necessary to please you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the death of Jesus and for his resurrection. Sometimes we don't know how we ought to feel about that. But today, Father, I pray that you'll help us to appreciate it in ways maybe that we haven't before. Help me to communicate that and help our hearers to be able to accept it and make the right application to their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, we have a description of of the gospel. 
Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you have received, in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory the things I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the crowning proof of Christianity. The fact is, if Jesus did not rise from the grave, as the scriptures say, then Christianity is a lie. Now, I know that there have been some great men who lived in the past. Some of them lived for the good of the world and some not so good. Nevertheless, they lived and they made a tremendous impact on history. Plato, he lived and he died. There was Aristotle, he lived and then he died. There were the Caesars and every single one of them lived and then they died. There were people like Buddha and Confucius They lived, and then they died. There was Marx and Muhammad. They lived, and they died. Every single one of them lived, made their impact on the world, either for good or evil. And then they died. The thing about them is, they died, and they remained dead thing about Jesus is he lived, he made his impact on the world, he died, but he didn't stay dead. He was in the grave for three days and then he was resurrected from that grave to life physically. Now, for those who hear that story, that may seem like a fanciful notion. But the truth that revolves around that notion is the foundation upon which Christianity rests. If Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead, he might have been a good man, but he'd be no different from all the rest. What we proclaim to the world is that Jesus died, he rose again, and he continues to live. Now, I want to break that down, as I mentioned in our prayer. I want us first to think about just the simple reality of the risen Christ. Our text says that he was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. So what was happening about Jesus in being raised from the dead was not something that came without warning. It wasn't something that just kind of happened as an addendum to the life and death of Jesus. This was something that had been planned. And of all the many passages, I I was thinking earlier about Psalm 16 and verse 10. That passage says, You will not leave my body in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. So you're not going to leave my soul in a place of death. You're not going to let my body corrupt or go to the dust. Now, when people read that psalm the first time, they thought, well, David's talking about himself. And 
What in the world is he saying? What does he mean when his soul's not going to be left in the grave? What does he mean when his body's not going to be corrupted? Because we could go right, we could go to David's tomb right now and see the dust. I mean, he, he died. He's still dead. Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 31, when Peter was giving his sermon there on the day of Pentecost, turns out Peter says that passage that many of you think, maybe you scratch your head sometimes when you read it, you wonder what was David saying about himself. Peter says that that wasn't about David. That statement right there was about none other than the subject of my sermon today. That was about Jesus Christ. His soul would not be left in Sheol. His flesh would not see corruption. The prophecy concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus himself, as he was working about, teaching, doing his ministry, he began also to talk about what was coming. His death, his burial, and then the subsequent resurrection. In Luke chapter 24, we find that idea, verse 46. Third day, going to rise from the dead. Wait a second. Resurrection. Now, if he was resurrected, surely there'd be some evidence of that. And the Bible is pretty good about always providing us with exactly what we need. And I love this particular text, 1 Corinthians 15, because after those first four verses where he describes us what the gospel is, the death, burial, and resurrection, he especially centers on that resurrection aspect. And he says, oh, you know what, I'm not just kind of laying out a a, a theological statement right here. This is a reality. This is something that, that actually happened. And oh, by the way, there were all these witnesses to the actual bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're not just making up a story or or kind of setting up a metaphor related to Jesus. This was a reality. And he says, you can go and you can talk to these people if you want to. So let's see. First of all, beginning verse 5, there was Cephas. Now, Cephas is Peter. Peter would have known Jesus, don't you think? Because he walked with Jesus for those three and a half years of his ministry. He had been at all of the major events of Jesus' ministry. And now that very one who had proclaimed Jesus Christ is the Son of God is now set up as a witness to the fact that he was resurrected from the dead. You could go talk to him. Or how about just the the twelve themselves? Every one of them, to one degree or another, had close contact with Jesus. Maybe not as much as Peter, but they could verify the fact that Jesus was resurrected. In fact, more than anybody else, they had private interviews with Jesus following that resurrection. And then if the twelve isn't enough... How about 500 that saw him at one time? I mean, seriously, even if you couldn't find that handful of disciples, a mob like that that saw Jesus resurrected, surely you could find some of them and they could testify to the fact that he was raised from the dead. If that isn't enough, you could see James. Now, James was the brother of Jesus. Born of Joseph and Mary. And so, hey, if, if you want to know something about whether or not this was him, go talk to that guy. He's been with Jesus his entire life. He could absolutely testify to that. 
or one of the other apostles. You can grab one of them. Or Paul says, you know what, if you don't want to go with any of those people, I'm right here. You could ask me. Because I saw the resurrected Jesus as one born out of due time. I just think it's it's tremendously impactful that not only was this a, a theology that people were putting out there, something to grasp and to hold on to by faith, but here initially... In this writing, Paul is saying, look, you don't have to just take my word for it. You can chase down any number of these witnesses and they will tell you the same thing. Jesus was bodily resurrected from the dead. Now, there were some people that didn't want that news out, you understand? And I, I think about... I think about the challenge that it was to kind of get that news going. In fact, even the disciples who anticipated maybe the resurrection of Jesus when it actually happened, they themselves were very reluctant to accept it. Case in point is Mary Magdalene, who actually talked with Jesus and then was vested with the responsibility of going to uh, the apostles and telling them that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. So she dutifully did that. And in Mark chapter 16 at verse 10, she went, what did she find? Well, she found them mourning and weeping. Now stop right there for a second. They had experienced the death of Jesus. They had all in effect betrayed and denied him by leaving him behind. Right? Jesus is hanging on that cross all by himself. Now that he's dead, the disciples are all scattered abroad. And they've, they've gathered back together now. They're feeling bad about what's happened. So they're mourning over the death of Jesus, their great leader. And, you know, maybe they're thinking the kingdom of God and all of that that Jesus talked about. That's kind of in shambles. And they're weeping. They're just overwhelmed. So that's how she finds them, with this terrific news that she has to share. And in verse 11, she tells them, he's alive. They don't believe her. (laughs) You know, it's like, here here comes the answer to all of our problems, all of our distress, our mourning and our weeping. But even they were reluctant to accept the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead until, as we noted, until they actually saw him for themselves. And some people might say, well, you know, that whole doctrine, that matter, that was just made up by people. But Peter addresses that, actually, in Second Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. It says, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place till the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if you've taken that in just by the reading of this text or have thought about it before, but Peter has given us the answer to it all. Peter says we didn't sit back and develop this idea of Jesus, you know, dying and then being resurrected. In fact, that whole business of Jesus and the kingdom of God, we were just eyewitnesses to the unfolding plan of God. 
And he says, men don't sit back in the corner in hidden rooms and develop something like this. What we're talking with you about is the fulfillment of Scripture. And that Scripture being the very mind of God itself. The Spirit has revealed these things. We're just, you know, we're, we're just eyewitnesses to it. And when he says we're eyewitnesses, he's like, again, this isn't just something that originated in our minds. or It's not some metaphor. He says, I actually, I'm telling you, I actually heard the voice of God testify to the fact that Jesus is his son. Every single one of those, through the reluctance of those disciples to accept that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, to Peter's denial that he had anything to do with the development of the doctrine, but that it was actually a deliverance of the mind of God, all of that working together and pointing to this fact, that Jesus truly did physically rise from the grave. Now, here's the interesting thing about the follow-up to that. Once Jesus was dead, Jesus' enemies realized, wait a minute, he talked about a possible resurrection. And you know what? If something happened, we lost that body some way. Oh, my. Those disciples would have a field day. So, Jesus' enemies concocted... I guess a story or a kind of threat that maybe something would happen. And I got to thinking, you know, over history, there have been a lot of attempts, I guess, to undermine the truth regarding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are two primary ideas that have come out through the years of what might have happened trying to undermine what we know from the Scriptures The first is the one that I just mentioned. The Jewish leaders following Jesus' death thought something funny could happen. So in Matthew chapter 27, verses 64 to 66, kind of have the discussion there about what they thought could happen. They said, you know what, What, what what if one of the disciples comes and takes the body? We're not going to allow that to happen, so... They go to Pilate, and Pilate says, well, you know what, you've basically got your own police force. You can get the guards if you want to post some guards. Now, I don't know this for a fact because I wasn't there, but scholars suggest that when the Jews would post a guard similar to this in order to protect a grave, they would put as many as 15 soldiers at a post around that tomb. They would be rotated every six hours to ensure that nobody fell asleep or anything funny happened. So for all those days, Jesus is in that tomb. His tomb was guarded securely. There's no way anybody came and got that body, the disciples. The Jews saw that. The other idea was, well, maybe it wasn't that at all. Maybe some of the Jews rushed in that tomb, took that body with the idea that eventually, you know, they'd undermine Christianity by just presenting the body. But you see the fallacy in that immediately, don't you? There's never been, there's never been the bringing forth of a body. No evidence Jesus' body remained in a tomb or had been hidden somewhere and brought out later in order to discredit him. None of those things happened. So without any plausible theory to the contrary, here's what I believe happened. I believe that Jesus literally, actually, physically rose from the dead on the third day. 
just as he had promised he would do. And just as prophecy, the plan of God before the foundation of the world, unfolded before the eyes of those who knew Jesus best. But here's the thing about that. We can talk about, quote unquote, the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. But what matters to me, really, is the reason for it. You know, if there's no reason for Jesus to be resurrected from the dead, then I guess that's just a a fanciful story. I mean, something that would amaze us. But understand that there is a reason that Jesus not only did rise from the grave, but it was necessary for him to be risen. So there's a passage, 1 Corinthians 15 again, so you only have to scan a few verses. But at verse 17, there is a declaration that is pretty frightening. It says that if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If Jesus did not rise from the grave, he says what you believe about Jesus is worthless. And if what you believe about Jesus, and oh, by the way, belief about Jesus has to do with your salvation. So if what you believe about Jesus and salvation connected with him tied to the resurrection and the resurrection didn't happen, then he says you are still in your sins. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ and he didn't rise from the dead, then you are still lost. In your sins. Now why does that matter? Why does it matter? Here's a dirty little secret for anybody who doesn't know it yet. And that is no matter who you are. Without Jesus. You are responsible for any sin that you commit. You say well Ken I've only committed one sin in my whole life. Uh, Okay well I don't know who you are or where you've been hiding. But if you did commit that one sin, the penalty for that sin is death. And without Jesus, there's no way to set that penalty aside. If there's no forgiveness of sins, then I'm responsible for my sin. Now listen to some passages. I only mention these because it puts us all in the same boat. It makes us all responsible. When Paul was talking about the big picture, both of Jews and Gentiles... It came down to this in Romans chapter 3 at verse 10. He said, there is none righteous. Listen now. No, not one. Okay, question. How many people are righteous apart from Jesus? The answer is not any. None. Not a Jew, not a Gentile. Say, well, Jews had the the old law. They they had sacrifice. No. If Jesus isn't a reality, then those sacrifices meant absolutely nothing. They pointed to nothing. There is none righteous. No, not one. Okay, again, Ken, so what? So what? I, I, I'm unrighteous. What, what, what's the big deal? Uh, let's go further. Go down to verse 23. It says, for all, so that doesn't leave out anybody. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, the glory of God 
thinks about or thinks back to the original plan of God with man. Man's there in the garden, a perfect situation, environment. He is given dominion over everything that exists. It's perfect. Except that man sins. And when he sins, he gets kicked out of the garden. He is kicked out of God's glory, so to speak. All have sinned. That would be you too. And in doing so, we just replicate that situation. We fall short of the glory that God intended for us because of our sin. We fall short of the glory of God. Again, Ken, hey, I get it. Peace. I'm a sinner. So what? Okay, here it is. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. The payment for the sin that you commit, whether it's one or a million, unlimited, whatever it is, the payment for your sin, what's due is death. Somebody has to die to pay the penalty for the sin that you have committed. Now, without Jesus, let's put that aside, without, the person that pays your penalty is you. And that means that you are set in your sin For eternal separation from God, eternal death, your payment for the sin that you committed is your eternal death and separation from God. Who wants that? Raise your hand. I don't see any hands out there. I sure don't. I want God's mercy and grace, don't you? I want forgiveness somehow. Well, that forgiveness, that forgiveness comes through the gospel. Now, we talked about the elements of the gospel from our text here today. 1 Corinthians 15, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Over in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God's salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The gospel can save me, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus In fact, I think about the follow-up of some of these verses that we just looked at. They're not set apart as just declarations of bad news. There's good news wrapped up in those verses too. For instance, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, he said, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See that? Redemption is in Jesus. Because of your sin, you're apart from God. But you can be redeemed in Jesus Christ. Same kind of message is found there in Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Here it is again. In Christ Jesus. Now let me give you some good news about what it is to be in Christ Jesus. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's 1 Peter 1, 3. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Through verse 5. Here, Peter says that that resurrection of Jesus Christ 
makes possible all of these benefits. Our sins set aside, our reward secured. In Ephesians 1 verse 3, the text there says that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, listen now, in Christ Jesus. What is the reason? You know, I got the reality of Jesus dying on the cross. He was resurrected, got all these witnesses. Okay, so yeah, he did. So what? Well, the reason behind it is the forgiveness of sins. But now I'm asking myself, I've got, I've got the reasoning, kind of got all the details. What should my response be to all of that? What, what should I do? Here in a few minutes, you and I, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. It's a memorial feast that puts in our mind the death of Jesus. We see the bread, which represents his body. We see the fruit of the vine, the blood that he shed for the covenant that he has made with us, new covenant. How do you feel when that happens? Sometimes we, I, I, I think we feel a little bit conflicted. On the one hand, I, I feel joyous. You know, and I partake of those emblems and I'm reminded of what Jesus did. I think Jesus died for me, you know, to, to free me from my sin. If I can be in Christ, as, as those passages we just looked at indicate, if I can be in Christ, I have every spiritual blessing. I, I can have all of that inheritance in heaven. So much is lined up for me. Man, I, I rejoice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me and washing my sins away. Yes! But I, I'll just be honest with you. As joyous as I feel about those truths, I'm also conflicted because, you know, we sing those songs that really touch our heart deeply about the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. I mean, honestly, he died in my place. Should I feel joyful about that? Maybe I feel sad. Is it true for you as it is for me? Sometimes when I sing the right song preceding that Lord's Supper and I partake of those emblems, man, I'm just filled with emotion. I feel sad. I know Jesus died for me, but you know who put him there on that cross? I did. My sin put him there. So I ask myself, what's the appropriate response to the risen Christ? I'm going to answer that, but you're probably not going to anticipate the answer. It's not joy or sorrow that should be my response to the resurrection of Jesus. Obedience is supposed to be my response. Did you see that passage there in Romans 1.16? He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You believe that God raised Him from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15. But believing it doesn't act on it. Wait, what do you mean act on it? I'm just, I've just got some facts here so far, Ken. I've just got death, burial, and resurrection. What do you mean facts? 
and obedience. How does that work? Well, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ becomes something that we go through in order that we might, as those other passages talked about, enter into Jesus Christ. You and I, in belief that Jesus died and rose again, we enter into that, well, let's put it this way, the form of doctrine that's been delivered to us. Romans chapter 6, verse 17 and 18 says, God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Whoa, stop right there. Having become free from sin, Ken, that's important. Because we read a moment ago that in sin, the payment, the penalty is death. And I wanted to have that freedom from sin. I wanted to have that remission of sins. I want to be in Christ as those other passages talked about. They were so hopeful. We talked about death, didn't we? And then we moved right along to life. And here this passage says, if I would just obey that form of doctrine, then I can have it. Well, what's the form? The form is the death, burial, and resurrection. The doctrine is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which transforms me spiritually through an act of obedience. Obedience that is made viable according to my faith. So on the basis of my faith that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I'm going to act and participate in a form of, of doctrine. But what form would death, burial, and resurrection take? Do I have to literally die in order to go through that? And the answer is, well, yes and no. You literally do go through a death, burial, and resurrection process, but you're going to come back on the other side alive, resurrected to new life. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. In verse 7, he says that he who has died has been freed from sin. Oh, I want freedom from sin. Well, I'm freed from sin when I go through that form of doctrine. What's the form of doctrine? Death, burial, and resurrection. How can I die, be buried, and resurrected and still live, Ken? Well, through the process of water baptism, immersion. Buried in water, I die, leave the old man behind, rise to newness of life. My sin, my sin is forgiven. Jesus died on the cross, went through that horrible experience to make this possible for you and for me. To take advantage of the blood of Jesus Christ that washes our sins away. We have to be baptized. Now today, it's, it's possible that there's somebody watching who needs to go through that process. Maybe you already believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Maybe you're convicted of your sin. You realize, wait a minute, what, what I've been doing is wrong. And now I see that having committed sin, I, I'm set for death. I'm telling you the remedy is through obedience to the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus made real for us in baptism. You rise out out of that water free of your sins and on the path serving the Lord.
in Christ. Maybe you need to take that step. And if you do, I understand the complications here, but please contact one of the elders or myself. We'll study with you. We'll see to it that your sins are washed away by Jesus' blood. It might be that you're already Christian. What would be my response, Ken? You know, I don't need to be buried in Christ. I've already been that. What is my response to the resurrection of Jesus? Well, you know, there's a passage for that too. It's found in Colossians chapter 3. It says, if then you were raised with Christ. Now stop right there. You were raised with Christ when you were raised out of those waters of baptism to new life. He says, if that's you, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. If that's you, I'm going to assume, think the best, that that's where your mind is. You've been serving the Lord all along. You have your mind set on heavenly things, not on things on the earth. But I also know that this is a a tough time. And and maybe our perspective has changed or or frustrations have mounted. and, And we've just, I don't know, let's just be honest. We've forsaken the Lord. Then today, why don't you, realizing what Jesus did for you, and the importance of that sacrifice, and the importance of setting your mind on the right things, why don't you repent of that? Why don't you be restored to your first love? And 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, If we walk in the light, He in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses, literally continues to cleanse us from all our sin. Today, you can be restored to that continual flow of the blood of Jesus through your confession of sin. Again, if you need me or one of the elders, please contact us. Let's let's make sure that we're taking full advantage of the sacrifice that Jesus made and of his resurrection to new life. Thank you for uh, your attention. We're going to have a prayer and then we will be continuing our service. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your words. Thank you for the message of the gospel, for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We thank you for those of us who have obeyed that gospel, had our sins washed away in the watery grave of baptism, been washed by the blood of Jesus, raised to newness of life. Help us, Lord, from this point forward to live in such a way as to reflect that sacrifice. And help us to be living sacrifices. I pray, Father, for those who are just learning these truths. That you'll give them courage to obey the gospel. That they can be freed from their sin. Thank you, Father, for your words. And I pray and I trust that these words have fallen on hearts that needed to hear it. And thank you for the blessing that that is. In Jesus' name, amen. As we enter in, <clears throat> as we enter into the time of our communion together, I, I hope that everyone has their uh, emblems for that. We'll, get, we'll sing the song "Highly Exalted." Mm, 
You were despised, you were rejected, Lord, those who passed by even averted their gaze from the side. Such was the suffering you bore for us. Led like a lamb, a lamb to the slaughter, you spoke not a word, but chose to be silent though you did no wrong. Nor was deceitfulness found in you. Yet by your wounds our salvation has come. Yet by your suffering our freedom is won. For God has highly exalted your name. He has enthroned you on high. Jesus, the name above all names. God has highly exalted your name. He has enthroned you on high. Jesus, the name above all names. You were despised. You were rejected, Lord, of those who passed by. Even averted their gaze from the side. Such was the suffering you bore for us. Led like a lamb, a lamb to the slaughter, you spoke not a word. But chose to be silent, though you did no wrong. Nor was deceitfulness found in you. Yet by your wounds our salvation has come. Yet by your suffering our freedom is won. For God has highly exalted your name. He has enthroned you on high. Jesus, the name above all names. God has highly exalted your name. He has enthroned you on high. Jesus, the name above all names. You were despised. You were rejected, Lord, of those who passed by. Even averted their gaze from the side. Such was the suffering you bore for us. I know from the words of that song and from the comments that Brother Ken made during his sermon, you're thinking about Jesus. Jesus said for us to remember his death until he comes. We're going to begin by partaking of the bread which represents his body. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the gift of your Son. And we know, Father, that this bread represents his body. We pray, Father, that as we partake of it, we would remember his death. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
bow with me once again. Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that Jesus was that perfect sacrificial lamb. We're thankful for this fruit of the vine which represents his blood. We're thankful for its cleansing power. And we pray that we would partake of this in a manner pleasing to thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Another part of our worship is our giving. Uh, we have the opportunity to do that, uh, and we're so thankful for what God has given us. Would you bow with me as we pray? Our loving Heavenly Father, we know that you're the giver of all blessings. We're thankful for those material things that you've given us and we pray that you would accept our contribution to thee. We pray that these funds would be used to spread your word, to help those who are in need. Help us, Father, to be uh, a giving people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. have a few announcements, and then we will have a closing song and a closing prayer. Brother Ken, we want to thank you for that great lesson. I can't think of a greater subject for us to study about on a Sunday morning. We have just uh, participated in communion. Remember that you can pick up your communion supplies at the Annex. Uh, the Annex will be open uh, during the week until 6 o'clock. That's also a communication center. You can uh, pick up a bulletin there on Wednesday, a copy of Ken's lesson. Uh, and I would encourage you to step by there. There may be some other communication that you, that you can find out about at that time. Now, just a reminder, we have several that are on our sick list. Let me just Review those. Martha Eaton is in the Magnolia Hospital. Buster Green is at home uh, recovering from pneumonia. Uh, remember Marilyn Martin, who is at home following a car accident along with her son, Jonathan Hutchin. Uh, Sister Delma Sanchez is in hospice in the Tupelo Hospital. We need to remember Donald Green, Pat Green. Luella Green, Jessica Wentz, Dale and Mary Woodruff, Charlene Langley, and so many of our number who are suffering from the virus. And we're so thankful that so many of them are now recovering or have recovered. Our Wednesday night service will be live streamed at 7 p.m. Um, the audio stream which you can get by calling 662-554-4200, will be 
sent out on Thursday night covering the Wednesday night lesson. The uh, clothes closet and food pantry will be open this Thursday from 9 a.m. until 10.30. Just a reminder, our Bible class material for our children is online. We would encourage all families with children to access this and use this material uh, to teach your children and in family devotions. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today in this worship service to God. We hope it has been a blessing to you. And now, Brother Timms. I've got to say it has been a uh, pleasure to lead you in worship this morning. Um, I think that this song is appropriate for our the time that we're living in. Um, God be God be with you until we meet again. Our very being uh, draws us to one another, especially as Christians, as we know that we should be together on Sunday mornings uh, or whenever the <clears throat> whenever the uh, whenever the church is gathering. And I know that we can all, we're all longing for the day that we can all be together again. So let's sing this as we end our worship this morning. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsels guide upon you. With his sheep securely fold you, God be with you till we meet again. Till we meet, till we meet, till we meet, till we meet at Jesus' feet. Still.
meet, till we meet, till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Just a couple of additional announcements. You may uh, send your contribution to the church here at Post Office Box 28, Boonville, Mississippi, 38829. Or you may uh, carry them to Billy Martin at First American Bank. Or you may give online. You can contact our website for instructions there. And just a reminder that we'll have the graveside service for Brother Billy Mormon this afternoon at 4 p.m., at the Boonville Cemetery. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, it's been so wonderful to worship Thee this morning. We pray that all that we have done has been pleasing in Your sight. We pray Your greatest blessings to continue with us. We pray for relief from this pandemic. But we're so thankful for the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. And we pray that we would focus on him and let his life show in our lives. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.